The Indian River School District's 2017-2018 school year will begin on Tuesday, September 5th for students in grades K through 12. As the big day approaches, we want to update parents, students, and community members on what to expect when the doors of our schools swing open once again. In this first of two back-to-school episodes, Superintendent Mark Steele will discuss district enrollment, the state's recent budget crisis, and plans for the new Howard T. Ennis School. Later, we'll be joined by Tyler Bryant, the district's transportation systems analyst, who will talk about school bus transportation for the new school year. First up, Superintendent Mark Steele right after this short break. I'm Dave Mall, and this is the IRSD Spotlight. I'm joined now by Indian River School District Superintendent Mark Steele. Mark, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Dave. What are you most looking forward to as we head into the new school year? Well, I think, you know, coming in the middle of the year, sometimes you you have to maintain certain uh, things that activities that go on throughout the course of the year. I think this year it's sort of like a clean slate. You know, we've we've made some changes that we think are, are going to be positive changes. And being able to start the school year off, you know, with control of, of some of those changes, I think is, is going to be interesting to see how things turn out and, and see how it's going to affect how the school year goes. Yeah, you've had a whirlwind since you took over in January. We had a, uh, a current expense referendum, which did pass in March, and that was followed almost immediately by some pretty significant cuts in state education funding, and that took us right through till July dealing with those. So are you looking forward to starting fresh with a new school year you know Dave I am and you know a lot of the unknowns that we were dealing with up right up through uh, July we, we now have answers to and at least with answers we can plan and look for ways to utilize our funding in the most appropriate ways um, we have our first meeting tomorrow uh, tonight actually with the CBOC and it'll be the first chance of taking a look at the state budget as well as some other uh, things that, that we're doing and some other cuts that we've looked at and I think we're to the point where I, I feel very comfortable you know kind of where we're going if things are going to be tight yes we knew that coming in but I think we have a good plan I think Jan Steele's done an excellent job uh, putting together a budget that that's going to work that's my next question in terms of budget cuts exactly how is that going to kind of affect the district well, if you take a look at, at all the cuts we've got, we, we never really officially cut any program. We reduced the budget in programs, and we try to reduce it to a number where we feel we can maintain the integrity of the program while at the same time not looking to expand or do any extras and hope we stay in the confines of those parameters that we've set up. I think we've, we've gone through and looked at everything we can possibly do. We've made significant cuts here at, at IRAC. And one of the things that, that we're doing now, we're jockeying duties uh, that I had as the assistant superintendent uh, that Melissa Kansak and Will Revels had as supervisors. We're divvying those up so that we have those spread over people because we still have to get that work done. Except now we're going to be doing it with less people than we had before. So it's going to be critical 
that we know exactly what our jobs are and what our duties are in order for us to get through this year. I know when we were dealing with the budget cuts, we tried as much as possible to avoid cutting instructional staff and programs like you said. So for parents, it may not be that much of a, of at least a visual difference on the surface, you know, when you look at coming into the new school year and that type of thing. It should not. We, we have cut, you know, school budgets a little more. However, schools have you know what they need in order to operate, and that's that's one thing I want to stress. Operations and being able to operate a little more freely is two different things. But where we've cut them at now, they're going to have to really work in their school unit, the administrative teams, to make sure they manage that budget extremely well throughout the course of the year. We've trimmed a lot of a lot of possible waste, and uh, we're trying some things differently than what we've done before to see if it works out, and we're going to have to do that in order you know, to get through this budget year. I was wondering if you could address another issue that we've just dealt with in the last few weeks. I know, uh, you know obviously with the passage of the referendum, some, uh, everybody's property tax bill in the Indian River School District has gone up, which was what was approved by residents. But the state of Delaware also cut back the senior property tax discount, which we did not know was going to happen at the time. And that's caused, they, they reduced it from 500 to 400. Can you clarify that just a little bit? Because we've gotten a lot of phone calls here at the district office think, from people thinking that we've, you know, hiked the tax rate higher than we said we were going to. Yeah, Dave, we, we have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the referendum, the 49 cent increase. We knew that. We went through our, our summer taxes, which, which include minor cap, debt service, tuition, and, of course, the current expense. The current expense was the 49 cent increase on the referendum. We did increase tuition. We decreased debt service. The net gain between those two was about 2.8 cents, roughly about 6 to $7 more. The reason for doing so is we have to set our tuition tax based on the amount of money that we have to pay tuition out uh, based on uh, the uh, SAS program and as well as our programs throughout the district dealing with special education. And that is a number that if you go back and look at your tax bills over the last five or six years, you will notice that is not a a gradual increase, a gradual decrease. That looks more like a mountaintop. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, because the tuition tax rate is set based on the need. Some years the need may be more based on the number of special education students we have. Some years it could be less. That's why over the last couple of years we've actually cut it. Yeah, quite there were some sig- the referendum. Sig- yeah, some significant decreases of a couple of years ago in the absolutely tax rate. Yeah, and, and fortunately for us, we were able to you know reduce our debt service by a couple cents, mm-hmm. and that was also you know instrumental in keeping that tax bill down as low as possible. Mm-hmm. Now the legislators did alter the the tax bills for the senior citizens. That has nothing to do with the school district. We had no idea they were going to do that. Uh, they, they cut that from a $500 max back to a $400. i am not 100% sure they may do something with that extra money, that extra $100, on a tax credit uh, somewhere down the line for, for this year's taxes. That's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, but some of that debt cut particularly comes straight from state legislators. Yeah. Um, can you take a minute to talk about enrollment growth in the district and maybe what our enrollment's looking like projected at least for this coming school year? I can tell you last year we were at 10484. Uh, at, at September 30th. As of this morning, we are at 10,518 and we are generating 881.4 units. Uh, that is about 10 units more than uh, we had last year at September 30th. Now, looking at the time frame and looking at you know past experience and, and sometimes your best predictors to look at the past, 
particularly with the models that we've ran with our enrollment over the course all the way through 2021, 2022, you know, we're expecting probably around 10.7, and, and that's a good number, 10.7, 10.8. Um, approach 11,000 mark and and I don't think we're going to hit 11,000 this year I don't think we have seen some of the growth uh, with the newcomers coming to the the district uh, that we've seen in past years however we are seeing pretty substantial growth now we are just entering prime growth period generally the third week of August through the third week of September is our biggest growth people tend to wait to the last minute to register students, people who make moves. A lot of times we'll make them over the summer and get around to coming in. So we're expecting at least two to 300 more kids before September 30th. Well, that 11,000 figure is sort of out there on the horizon. We might not hit it this year, but eventually we're probably going to. What are the, what are the long-term ramifications of some of this growth in the district? Well, t- taking a look at it, it's, it's going to depend what the growth occurs. If the growth occurs on the northern end, as it has done over the last five or six years, we are going to have to look at, at some major capital um, improvements in the very, very near future. On the other hand, if we have any growth in the south, we can compensate in the south, and we can take growth in the southern part of the district. We just cannot do it in the north. I would say if we continue at the, the rate of, of, of hitting 10.7, 10.8 this year, we are really going to have to take a look at, you know, either this year thinking about or the following year thinking about looking at some type of building projects in order to alleviate some of the growth that we have. Um, to the extent of what we looked at before, uh, maybe, maybe not. It, we, we may have a couple things we can do that we can trim that package way back and still be able to create room for students. Can you update listeners on the status of the new Howard Tiena School? Because I understand we just got some good news on that front in the last few days. Absolutely. Last week we had a meeting uh, on the 17th up in Dover at the planning um, office. And at that meeting, I, I can and I want to say their names because we had four legislators uh, come to that meeting to uh, work with the district, who have worked with the district in obtaining the land. Um, Representative Harvey Kenton, Representative Dave Wilson, Senator Brian Pettijohn and, and Senator Hawker. And Senator Hawker has been to point contact uh, with me and uh, Jan on, you know, obtaining a different pot, plot of land for the Howard T. Ennis. This plot would be directly across from Sussex Central. The so-called rectangular plot. That's correct. And <laughs> yeah. we thought at one time it was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We went through a plus committee meeting on the triangular plot, which is located at the intersection of Avenue of Honor and Patriots Way. And we've obtained all the data for the PLUS meeting, uh, which, by the way, the PLUS meeting is taking a look at the Dell DOT, the DENREC, and all of the state agencies that are going to have anything to do with that property and the school going on that property to make sure there are no issues, no hidden issues. Uh, they approved on Monday for us to proceed with a PLUS meeting for the rectangular plot. This is something we did not realize uh, could happen. It's considered a level four property. However, you can build on the level four property under certain circumstances. Now, what is a level four? Just clarify. A level four is a state property where you know they don't allow any building, absolutely no building at all. Okay. And uh, the special circumstance for us, obviously, is is the type of school we have at Howard Tannis. Mm-hmm. We desperately need a building for space because the the numbers are not only, not only the numbers are, are rising there. But the medical conditions of the kids dictate we're, we're about 40,000 square feet short mm-hmm. at the current Howard T. Ennis. So by opening up a special circumstance for Howard T. Ennis, we will conduct a plus review on Howard T. Ennis. We will turn our application for that in September the 1st. 
Uh, sometime around the third week, we'll have the actual meeting. Three weeks later, we'll receive all of the input from all of the agencies, state agencies that deal with that property. And then we will be able to sit down and align the two properties, the triangular plot and the rectangular plot. Of course, the state's looking to try to save money. They don't want to pick a plot that's going to cost a lot of money for sewer or water. So in a sense, this is going to enable them to look at both properties, which is going to be more cost productive in terms of, or cost savings in terms of building on. Um, so even though the rectangular plot across the street from Sussex Central is a level four, there's still a good possibility that we could get there is for the new for the new Howard there, there absolutely is, and it's a yeah. good shot that it could be cheaper than a triangular plot. We will not know until we complete the plus process. But the one saving thing for the school district is this, and for our taxpayers, regardless of which property we go, this is a 100% funded project. It will not cost the school district any funding in order to design and build the, the school. So for us, this is a long-term investment, you know, 50 to 100 years. We want to make sure we get the right building location now before we move forward. That's great. That's great. And thanks for updating us on that because I know there's a lot of there's a lot of parents in our district that are that are really invested in that school. So it's good to have a have and, and Dave and, and and adding into that at this meeting, it, it was a um, you know it was a it was a, a well attended meeting. Doctor mm-hmm. Doctor Bunning was at the meeting. Um, another strong strong advocate for uh, our our community is former Senator George Bunning, mm-hmm. who also attended. And I can tell you, you know the the legislators have worked and supported the district you know tenfold what they what they have and and it's just unbelievable you know how much time they've put into this for the district and we're greatly appreciative for all the work they've done well before i cut you loose mark my last question i guess is what do parents need to know or what what do you have a certain message for parents as we enter the new school year absolutely we're coming out of a year where basically anything could go wrong went wrong and we were knocked down a few times and, and I go back to, you know, one of uh, Lombardi's famous quotes, you know, uh, the determination of the strength and the character of a man is not, you know, whether or not he gets knocked down, it's whether or not he gets up. And I can tell you, for every time we were knocked down over the last year to year and a half, we've gotten back up, and we've gotten up strong each time, a little bit stronger than before. I think right now with what we're lining, we've, we've managed to accomplish a lot of the budget things that I thought were mandatory that we do for public trust, the CBOC meeting, the policies, the reviews, this fall we'll be going to be kicking off our strategic plan. That'll be another area that we'll look at that will help us with future major capital planning, uh, budgeting, communication with parents, and those sort of things. So I think we're heading in the right direction, and I think if we go through this year, we're hoping for a, a very, very smooth, good school year. Uh, We're looking to really put the rigor into the instruction, push our kids to improve test scores, improve the number of kids graduating, improve the number of kids going to college. So those are our goals, and we're going to stick to them. That's great. And, Mark, as always, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, and I hope you have a great school year. Thanks, Dave. Before I play my interview with Tyler Bryan, I'd like to remind parents that district schools will be hosting a series of open houses on August 29th, 
30th, and 31st. A full list of open houses is available on the district website and Facebook page. Additionally, there have been some changes to our school administrative staffs since the end of last school year. Parents are encouraged to visit the district website at irsd.net for an updated list of principals and assistant principals along with their contact information. Now, on with the podcast. Recently, I had a chance to sit down with Tyler Bryan, Transportation Systems Analyst for the Indian River School District. Tyler talked about the recent bus driver shortage and what parents need to know about having their children ride the bus to and from school every day. Here's my interview with Tyler. I'm joined now by Tyler Bryan, uh, the district's transportation systems analyst. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dave, for having me. Um, let's start with some figures here. Uh, we're a district that covers about 360 square miles. We have 16 schools, and this coming school year, we're probably going to have about 11,000 students, if not more. How many buses and bus drivers does it take to transport that many students to and from school on a daily basis? It takes a lot. We have 165 buses going into this school year. Um, Out of those 165 buses, 57 of them do multiple routes. We have 19 midday routes that we create, and then so that gives us a total of 241 routes to get our kids to and from school each day. And you have to keep track of all that? Yes, we keep track of all that and create each one of those routes. Now, talk about double routes for a minute because you mentioned that before. What exactly is a double route? A double route is that the bus services more than one school. So we have many schools that are set up that the buses go from one building to another. So, for instance, they'll go to North Georgetown, they will drop off, and then they will go and pick up students either for Georgetown Elementary or Georgetown Kindergarten Center. Mm -hmm. So all schools have a partner school, and as many buses that can double run are double running in those schools. Wow. Um, We would have more, but our area is so spaced out, Mm -hmm. the time factor is an issue so we do as much as we can yeah and we do have a district i mean we run from north of georgetown all the way to the maryland lines that's a pretty wide uh, pretty wide area can you address um the recent driver shortage that we've had in the district um you know at the you know from the end of last school year and where do we stand on that issue right now as we move into the new school year well we've had a driver shortage and so has the nation it's a common thing all over the u.s you'll see signs posted everywhere Luckily, we've had a um, good amount of response to our ads, and the contractors have been pulling people in, and they're going through the process at this time. Um, it does take time to get licensed. It takes almost about two months for them to start the process. So I'm hopeful at this point that we will have all the routes covered day one. Um, it is a big thing for everyone to be patient with us. Um, they may see some substitute drivers on the routes when they first start and see a driver change. They may see people riding along. Those would probably be the new drivers learning the route. That just means they haven't been tested through the whole training process, but they're also training by riding and getting to know the students. Um, so the biggest thing with that is for anyone who is noticing a delay or change in drivers, be patient with us. We're working to address it. We do have the applicants who are coming through, and we're just trying to get them done and properly trained before they're released on their own. Are you pretty confident that by you know a month or two into the school year that we'll Yeah, I would say there? by October, if, if everything goes as planned and with what names we're having, we may actually have a surplus for once, and that would be the first time in about three years. But hopefully everyone continues. And not just that, we do need people to continue to come in because – there things always pop up and people have to move on and move out of the area or, or, and we need more drivers. So just because we may have a surplus doesn't mean it's going to stay. So if anyone is interested in driving, um, they definitely need to contact the transportation office or even if they're interested in being a bus aide. Mm-hmm. We definitely have spots for them to call transportation office and we'll be more than happy to direct them to contractors that 
are near their house and they can give them more information about being employed because they are the, the bus contractors are the ones who actually employ each the bus drivers and the aides. Um, the transportation office uh, you can reach that at 302-436-1000 uh, here at the Indian River Educational Complex in Selbyville. Now let's talk about moving into the new school year. In general, what do what do parents need to know about having their children children ride the school bus every day? There's quite a few important things they need to know. First off, um, they need to know that the school bus is the safest form of transportation, and that's nationally it's the safest form. They're built to keep the kids safe, but there's very important things that they need to follow to keep the kids safe. Um, there are rules and regulations for the parents and students that will keep them safe, and it's important that they know them and that they review it with their children so that the bus is a safe way to get them to school. Um, some of those things would be that the bus is an extension of the classroom. There are rules posted and the students need to follow them. As and far as discipline as is concerned, dis dis right? Discipline is yeah. concerned. Um, unruly students on the bus or breaking those rules could cause a safety issue for all students on the bus. One kid not following a rule could distract the bus driver and cause something to happen. So it's important that every kid follows the rule to keep them safe. And if the bus driver is calling about um, behavior on the bus, it's very important to take it seriously because it's affecting not your, only their child's safety, but the other children on the bus. Um, it's also important, bus safety at the bus stop is a very important thing for parents to know. One of the biggest things is all students should be at the bus stop five minutes prior to the bus being there. The students need to be at the bus stop. The bus should not be waiting for the students. It impedes the flow of traffic because the bus is stopped in the road. And eventually, if people wait too long, they're going to illegally pass the bus. And yes, they're illegally passing, but it puts the kids at risk because they could get hit because of a bus passing. Um, it's also important for them to be in a visible spot, but not on the road. They need to stand back from the road, and they need to stay back from the road until the bus is stopped and the doors of the bus is opened. If they're crossing the road, they need to wait till the bus driver verbally tells them over the microphone to come across. Otherwise, everyone needs to wait in place. Those bus drivers are trained to watch traffic, to double-check traffic, to make sure they're stopping and do their best. Um, as everyone probably knows, they've seen buses illegally passed. It's an issue. It's an issue that everyone needs to be aware of, and they need to make sure they're listening to the bus driver. Mm -hmm. And um, the bus drivers know where the stops are, so it's not necessary to actually stand out there and right. wave the bus The bus down. drivers know where the stops are, but they also need to see someone out there. They're not seeing mm -hmm. anyone out. They're only going to slow. Most of them are only going to slow, look, and then continue on. Because, once again, if you're stopping in the road and making unnecessary stops because no one's coming that day or whatever then we're holding up traffic and we're causing a safety issue if they're not loading because you're just adding up time. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people think the bus just stops because it's a stop. Mm -hmm. They're looking to see the person out there because it does say students are supposed to be out five minutes prior mm -hmm. to the time we give at the beginning of the school year. They also need to make sure that if they're um, getting on the bus, if your child has headphones, they need to not be wearing them when they're loading or unloading. Mm -hmm. They need to be able to hear the bus driver's directions from crossing to stop or whatever that they may be saying because that bus driver is watching and they have to yell stop or whatever because they see a car if your kid has headphones in they may not hear that and that's a definitely a safety concern um they also want to make sure that everything is in their book bag um, don't have loose items loose items could lead to some a student dropping them in the danger zone or them blowing the danger zone is an area about 10 feet around the bus that is a visibility or a safety concern it's either um an area that's invisible to the bus driver where the bus driver may not see the kid in that or it's an area that's at risk for passing cars. So we want we try to keep the students out of that area, and it's important that they don't have things out because those things could blow, or we don't want any chase to, um, chance for the kid to chase after them or bend over because the bus driver could lose sight of that child. So it's very important to review with your child to stay out of the danger zone and to keep everything in their book bags and not have loose items like papers or whatever when they come home. Keep it in your book bag. They also want to make sure 
that if you miss your bus, this is a big thing that happens. If you miss your bus, do not chase the bus down. <laughs> um, never have come up behind the bus and drop off a student behind the bus. That's a huge, huge safety concern. First off, when the bus driver stopped at a stop, they're not looking for kids to run up behind them. If a student runs up down the road behind them, they're also in the danger zone. They're within that 10-foot range that is a, has a visibility issue. They're running down the side of the bus. If the bus driver does not see them, they could take off. And that kid could be subject to getting snatched by the bus and dragged or into the side of the bus yeah. or hit. So we don't don't chase after the bus. I have to, I can speak mm-hmm. from experience. I have seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, not somebody getting hit, but right. I have seen parents chasing the bus down at, at stoplights, and it's it's a dangerous. It's situation. a very scary situation for the bus driver because you're focused on the students you're picking up and unloading, and all of a sudden you have a student you're not expecting coming from another end. And bus drivers get very upset, and it's not that they're upset with the parent. They're more scared and shaken up that something could have happened, and it scares them. And their safety is their first priority, and that's something that is not safe. And it's just important that if you miss a bus stop, either take your child to school, or if for some reason you're able to take away and go to another bus stop that you know this bus stops at and are there before the bus gets there in front of the bus where the driver can see you and they're stopping to pick up another student, then that's okay as long as it's a one-time thing, not a regular occurrence just don't come up from behind the bus because they cannot see you and it could cause a major safety concern um another big thing that i would like to talk about is um that they need to know is let your child know that they need to speak up to the bus driver something going is going on um the bus driver is there to help them if they're not sure where to get off if they're not sure something's happening to them or whatever and they need to just let the driver know the driver can find out more and help them if they don't speak up and they get off at the wrong stop because they just are scared and they don't know to say anything to the bus driver. They need to talk to the bus driver. The bus driver has a list. If the bus driver doesn't know, they can call school and we can get them the information. If they don't say anything and they go away, the bus driver is not going to know any difference. They, they need to speak up. It's okay to talk to the bus driver and tell them what's going on. The bus driver will get them help. And the same point with that is if the parent needs to, if you need to talk to a bus driver, um, we really would not like you to do it at the bus stop. Um, once again, you're holding the bus up. It's impeding the flow of traffic because the bus is sitting there and there's people trying to get to work and you're talking to the driver. Also, there's other students on the bus who might not be needing to hear the conversation that's going on. What we recommend is if you have an issue to contact the school, let them know that you need to talk to the bus driver and we can facilitate a time, either a phone conversation or a meeting or whatever we can with the bus driver to to resolve the issue and it's a better place so that way there's not other kids on the bus hearing or we're not holding up traffic on the side of the road so that's what we recommend for you doing there those are the important things to really know to keep the bus safe and going for the beginning of the school year now can you also just take a moment to address the policy regarding the pickup and drop off of kindergarten students because mm-hmm. i understand this is a little bit different from from the other groups yeah this is the same we, we started this we've had it forever and we've made some adaptions to it um, anyone who has a pre-kindergarten or kindergarten student are required um, to meet the bus to receive their child. So there has to be an adult there to get their child each and every day from the bus. What we did add last year is we want the parents to come to the bus door. The bus driver may ask who you are and who you're getting. Um, We want to make sure we're giving them to an adult and to a correct adult. Um, One of the biggest reasons we changed it to the door of the bus was when we go to large stops, we have a lot of stops now that we're stopping at development-wise that could have 25, 10, 15 kids. That's a lot of kids for a bus driver to keep track of getting off. Um, And they're watching them, but at the same point, if a parent is standing away, we don't know what parent goes with what student. If you send someone else different that day, 
we don't know. And that's why it's important. If you're going to send different people, let school know so they can let the bus driver know. Um, we don't. We are trying our best to make sure that everyone has a parent. And you coming to the door helps us know who's there and that the kids aren't getting off without someone. And it also helps the drivers who drive every day get to learn everyone. One day they may be out and there's a substitute. They don't know anyone if they've not been on there. So it helps coming to the door so that they know who's supposed to have it instead of them guessing who's who or hoping so-and-so or not letting someone off because they don't think someone's there. So we need all the parents to come to the bus door. Um, this is to make sure there's someone. Now, if you're not there, this is where we get into this is our policy. If, you're, if someone is not there to get your child, the bus driver will take them back to school. They call school and they let them know that they're coming back and the school tries to get that reveal. We only do this so many times. So the first time this comes back, you will get called and you will get a letter saying that if this continues, transportation could be discontinued. The second time it happens, you get a letter warning you that if it happens one more time, you will be suspended for five school days. If it happens a third time, you um, riding privileges on the bus will be suspended for five school days. If it happens a fourth time, it's 30 school days off the bus. And if it happens a fifth time, we now have um, ended privileges for the rest of the year mm -hmm. if you're having an issue with getting someone there please talk to the school let's set up a different stop something so that someone's going to be there we don't want to get to the point of ending transportation privileges but if no one's there we can't keep having the buses bring students back to school constantly over and over again mm -hmm. and the bus drivers are doing that on their own time that's like it's not part of the thing we're doing it because it's a policy to keep your child safe but they're taking time out of their day to do that and it's not just that, but it's just a safety issue. There's a concern if it reaches five times. Yeah. Well, this has certainly been some good information, Tyler. Um, I want to thank you for joining me today, and I hope we have a smooth start to the school year. So do I. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed part one of this back-to-school episode of IRSD Spotlight. I again want to thank Mark Steele and Tyler Bryan for taking time out of their busy schedules to talk about the upcoming school year. In part two of our back-to-school episode, I'll be joined by Dr. Luann Hudson and Dr. Jay Owens, who will discuss new academic programs for 2017-2018 and provide an overview of special education services in the district. You won't want to miss it. Parents are again reminded that the 2017-2018 school year begins on Tuesday, September 5th for students in grades K-12 through and on Monday, September 11th for preschool students. We hope you all have a great school year. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. Episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.